Josh White is the podcast host for HeroFront. On this podcast, he interviews members from the top echelons of the Department of Defense to the wingman that's sitting right next to you. He covers all things from service, challenges, coming back to life or coming back home after deployment, mental health issues, relatable services stories as well. If you served or served in the military, HeroFront is your podcast. Yeah, of course. I feel like, uh, you know, anyone who ha- who I'm I'm close to retiring. Um, so I'm about four years out. Obviously, my dad did 26 years, then 10 as a civilian. So I think the benefit of being a service member for that long is integrity, right? It's, a, it's yeah. just a more, you know, as a fan of UFOs myself, I know that my own story might hold a little more weight because of my position and the integrity needed to stay in the service that long. And so uh, I definitely want to um, let everyone know I am active duty Air Force, but I also need to let everyone know that I'm in the medical career field and I'm about the farthest thing away from any sort of special information whatsoever. Uh, So don't get your hopes up with that. Um, And I I wanna make that clear that I also, these are my own opinions and not that of the Air Force or the DOD in any way, shape or form. So I had to get that out there, had to do that disclaimer. Um, well said. Yes, well said. and I'm sure my dad feels the same way. Yeah, I'm no longer in the Air Force, obviously. I retired in 2001, but um, but still, I mean, it's, it was a large part of my life. I was an Air Force dependent. My dad was there for 23 years. Uh, oh, wow. I, I did 26, and then I stayed with the Department of the Air Force, another, like Josh said, another 10 or 12 years after that. So, um, <clears throat> But it's a culture, and you get used to it, and... Um, it doesn't just go away when you you know sign your retirement papers. <laughs> I would doubt that you based your whole life around it, and you know stressful moments as well. I don't think you know it's the same thing as a firefighter. I don't think sure. you ever really retire at the end of the day. So, if I'm not mistaken, Josh, you were mentioning that this uh, you've had a UFO incident. Did you have this when you were a kid? Was this when you were older? So yes, I've I've seen two UFOs uh, in my lifetime. Never made a huge deal about it. Never. I'm, I'm a fan of UFOs. I've always loved it. My dad got me into it. He's always been a fan because um, of, of experiences he had that, that he's going to share with you all. Um, but I, as, as early as seven years old, he, he had a collection of everything paranormal, right? So this is way before the internet, obviously. This way is in like the early ahead. 90s. Yeah. Yeah. He had this book collection. There's Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts. Uh, I want to say there's probably about eight books or so uh, in this collection. And I became obsessed with those books. Like they, they piqued my interest. Is it the actually, actually that, looks, that looks really familiar, actually. It's from the lifetime series. It's that the first time I've ever heard about Betty and Barney Hills and like, they had like silver pages in them. Like right. the, the pictures are silver and that might be f- similar to the, uh, Awesome. Oh, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that's it. I mean, the, the cover, the whole series looked just like that, like a black uh, book with the silver writing and the little 
yeah, that that could very well actually be it. <laughs> That's so cool that you have it. Um, oh yeah, I found it a couple of years ago. I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, it got me asking questions, and it just kind of opened my mind to different possibilities. And so I'm more of a fan of it. I would say um, more like if I see something on television, I'll watch it or internet clips. I'm not so much as like a researcher of it, probably because I, I feel like I just, my time is just maxed out, you know, to the brim here. My dad on the flip side is a huge researcher, does nice. a ton of reading. One of he's just a super smart guy. And uh, so he'll probably have a lot more, more valuable things to say from all the reading he's done. But for my own personal stories, um, if you want me to jump right into it is, so the first, so I, I told you I've seen two. So the first experience was if I'm, if I'm trying to guess the exact year, I would say that it was probably around the year 2000 or 2001. It was sometime in there and it was around the 4th of July, which is why I initially thought I was looking at fireworks. I do remember that. So I know it was right. Or, you know, I was off school I was at uh, a friend of mine's house. This was in Waldorf, Maryland. That's where, where uh, I grew up. Um, and my dad, he was stationed at Andrews Air Force Base. And so that's primarily where uh, I grew up at. And so we're in Waldorf, Maryland. It's around the 4th of July. I'm with my friend. Her name's Amber McQuay. She was one of my best friends growing up. And we're sitting there talking on her front porch. And there's this flash of light that I would say in my mind, I thought someone took a picture of us. That's kind of like how the flash looked in my peripheral vision. And this was about dusk, right? So the sun has just dropped. It's still daylight, but you know, it's starting to get dark out. It was around that time. And so I, I see the flash. I'm looking around. I'm like, what was that? And she's like, I don't know. And we're looking all over the place. And suddenly I see what looked to be about five lights um, diagonal way up in the sky. So what threw me off was how high up they were. You know, when you see fireworks, they're, they're you know, you, you kind of know where to look for fireworks. They only have a certain height they can reach typically. 100 feet, right? Yeah. So initially I thought I'm seeing the plume of the firework, right? Like it opened and I'm seeing that moment where it's fully open. I thought it was something like that. And I was like, oh, that's a firework. And then I thought, well, that's, that's actually like way too high to be a firework. Like it looks like it's 30,000 feet up in the, I mean, it looked way up there right and i'm like that can't be a firework and then they, it just hung there those lights just hung there and they had this like shimmer to them they had this it, it looked like unlike any type of light i've ever seen in my life it, it didn't even look real there was just the shimmer to these lights these five lights and after we sit there and we're trying to like figure out what are we looking at what the heck is that and of course i love ufos so i'm like please jesus be a ufo um, and I've come to learn about myself. It needs to look like one, but it also needs to move like one. I need, I need both to truly be convinced. Um, and so it looked like one. I was just waiting to see if it moved like one. And in that particular situation, it did not let me down uh, because those balls of light started coming into each other to form one ball of light. And when it was the one ball of light, it streaked through the sky like a shooting star and just disappeared instantly. Right. Not a firework. <laughs> right. Once I saw it kind of coming back into itself, I knew 
this is something special. Like we just saw something special. We start freaking out, you know, losing our minds. I get on my bike, ride home as fast as I can to, to tell my dad. He's like Google searching, you know, looking stuff up all over the internet. And um, at that time, he 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 had some forums he was going to. And he uh, there was people from multiple states on that day that had a similar sighting that were speaking about it on the forum. So, oh, wow. you know, it was kind of confirmation to both of us that we something crazy did in fact happen that day. And that's before the Tesla satellites, so you could rule those ones out uh, entirely, long, right? Yeah. Long before. I don't even know if it was an idea in the, in his head at that point. It's like the bane <laughs> of all ufologists right now, those bloody satellites. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yep. So, so that was my first uh, UFO encounter. And then your second, was that following shortly after that? No, the second one is way more recently. Um the second one was when I was stationed at Whiteman Air Force Base, Missouri. It's about central Missouri, a little bit closer to the Kansas City side. And I want to say this was the summer of like, I'd say 2018. So pretty recent. And um, this is right after I had a, a child and I, and I was, you know, struggling with sleep. You know, I was a new dad. And but I'm in the military, so I need to keep up my fitness. Cause if you fail a fitness test, which happens typically once or twice a year, it can put you down this bad administrative path and it's just not good for, for your career. So even though I was highly fatigued, I needed to find time to run. Running is the biggest part of the test or the, the most challenging for most people. And um, so I started running at night and I ended up loving it. I put a headlamp on, I'd go running at night. I'd see Missouri's full of wildlife. It, it felt like I was running through a zoo. I mean, I'm seeing raccoons, deer, foxes, all just animals everywhere, glowing eyes everywhere, fog. Um, it's very quiet. And uh, I, I ended up really enjoying the night runs. And on this particular night run, um, I'd always come out my neighborhood and I'd always hydrate a lot. So I'd stop at this one particular Casey's gas station to use the restroom Um so I would drink a ton of water. I'd, I'd do a warm up. I'd stop at the gas station, use the restroom, and then I'd do my route. And then on the way back, I typically hit that gas station one more time. And it was on the way back of, uh, it's called DD Highway in Warrensburg, Missouri. I'd say it's about 10 miles from Whiteman Air Force Base. So pretty close. I'm running down this path, this hill next to DD Highway. It's a paved uh, running path. It's, it's really convenient. Um, and I'm going down this hill and I see about helicopter height and about helicopter size, a bright jack-o'-lantern orange triangle with rounded edges is what it looked like. I'm not positive of the exact shape of it because I only had one kind of angle of it, but the one piece that I could see, it looked like a triangle with rounded edges, but the color was this jack-o'-lantern orange that just was so eye-catching. I remember thinking, this is going to be like all over the news. Like, this is crazy. What am I looking at? Nothing happened. Never heard about it again. No one said anything. No one saw it. I feel like I'm the only one that might have saw it. Um, but as I'm going down this run, I just see this thing in the clear. It comes, there's trees on my right. There's a, a road in front of me and there's trees on my left, right? And there's a bunch of cow fields back there. And so I only had this small little window to see this thing right? And uh, I have no camera or anything on me. 
Um, but honestly, it happened so quick. I probably, I, I would rather pay attention and watch it in a moment, to be right. honest with you, because I yeah. knew the window was small. Yeah. So I made sure to stop running, take my headphones out and like really look at this. Like, what am I seeing here? This looks insane, right? Again, it's about the size of a helicopter, but it's this rounded triangle and it just floats right over that gas station that I use the restroom at. It just floats right on over and goes off into the cow field. It didn't do anything crazy aside from its slow floating movement and zero sound whatsoever. Even if, and I remember thinking like, even if that was the most elaborate drone ever made, given the sheer size of it, that would be extremely loud. Cause I mean, drones are loud. They're, they're yeah, tiny, but yeah. they, they have a, they can be way up high and you can hear those things clear as day. Yeah. And this thing had zero sound whatsoever. So after I lose sight of it, I run to that gas station. I'm like, y'all, this UFO just flew over right over your gas station. It was bright orange. You can't miss it. Like, did any of y'all see it? And they're like, what? No way. And no one saw it. I'm checking all over Facebook. I'm checking, you know, any local news. There's nothing on it. Um, but when I started Googling it, you know, in the coming weeks, that type of craft is sighted all over Missouri. Like oh, wow. maybe not, maybe not on that particular night that I saw it, but in other spots of Missouri, that orange aircraft is, or UFO or whatever you want to call it is seen pretty frequently. And so that was kind of validating for me when, when I, when I noticed that, uh, I wasn't the only one that sees that type of craft, but uh, yeah, it, it was really cool to see just kind of surprising that, you know, I never heard it mentioned by anyone. I asked people, you know, coworkers of mine, I asked a, a whole bunch of people and nothing. I didn't put it on the internet or anything like that. I didn't want to cause a big fuss or anything. Right. Um, but see, other people yeah. think like that too. That's why they don't bother put it on the internet as well. Right. Don't put a big fuss. They want to put, the, you, you never want to be the first guy to. Right. To you want to be out. the second in the comments going, oh yeah. But you don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> you you definitely don't want to be the first one sometimes. No, though the first one usually gets bombarded uh, really bad. But yeah, I could totally understand why nobody would come out. Plus, you know, it's not even that long ago uh, either, but you still have the people that don't believe in that stuff. I did the uh, little. Right. There, because I think it's a lot of crap believe you don't need to believe it's like it's facts or facts like air is there like uh, i argued with a coworker once on that here's like what's like as someone that's kind of military-minded person obviously i am you know i think in strategy i think although i work in the medical field we we still go through a bunch of similar trainings to have a similar mindset a right. similar approach right um and to discount a craft when it could be an enemy craft is is insanity. At least acknowledge that it existed because that could be technology in the wrong hands. Why would you not, yeah. you know, acknowledge that? Um, and it, it kind of makes me wonder about why it's being acknowledged now. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, that stuff is in the wrong hands, and now it is worth mentioning. It is worth putting out there. Yeah, you know. So I've always stoppable. Yeah, yeah. When I talk to skeptics about what I've seen. I always present it that way. It was it, it 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 was a craft that I'm not saying it was an alien in there. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I saw it. It was real, and I'm not sure who was flying it. But the point is, I did see it, and we should take that seriously because to to just totally discount that, oh no, they're crazy. They didn't see that. Well, that could be another country snooping around in here. And do you really want to just discredit that sighting? 
Yeah. You know, so just thinking strategically, I at least will believe the person. And, and, and if I don't think it's alien, I will at least assume it could be some sort of test aircraft. Because think about the B-2 bomber, which is one of the most, if not the most lethal uh, aircraft that we own. Uh, which is a stealth bomber that can just completely show up out of nowhere. You can't track it. You can't see it coming. You can't even hear it coming. And it completely just decimate, you know, areas in the blink of an eye. Right. And so it's, it's a, one of our most valuable assets and it's 25 years old. That's a long time. That's, that's an entire career. Yeah. Right. That's someone's entire life livelihood that's already too old for leonardo dicaprio you know (laughs) 100 i couldn't have said it better myself Uh, (laughs) love you leo what's interesting about that josh though is the b is whiteman air force base where you're at where you saw that ufo is the home of the b2 spirit bomb yes that's why i know about it i probably should have said that i know about the b2 specifically because that is uh whiteman air force base is the only active duty b2 bomber base it's my favorite uh, duty assignment of all time. Uh, great people, great mission, great community. It's just a, an awesome place to live. And so, um, oh yeah, I learned a whole lot about the B2. I love the B2. I see it fly over our heads all the time. It's like, uh, it, it, it looks like it shouldn't even be possible. You know, it, it looks yeah. so crazy to see this, like, it looks like Batman's plane or something, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't yeah. even make sense. But let's keep in mind, that's 25 years old. What else is is out there? Got to ask yourself that. Yeah, and still, I find it interesting, though, that a person like yourself who's in the service, you understand what flies, what doesn't fly. You know, the, your conventional aircrafts, the way that we could use them. But the thing is, sometimes you guys see th- something that is like, it doesn't fit everything that you know about, you know, aviation, which is we're relatively new to it still as a species. It's not like we've mastered it. Uh, we're getting better at it, but it's that's the point that I'm trying to make out to a lot of people is that if the people in the service are saying that even if they're not during, you know, even if it's not during combat or anything, but you see something off duty, it's still amazing to you guys. It's still like, what the hell is that? It's no different, you know. Um, Bill, let's talk about you a little bit because we haven't got to, to you yet. Okay. So, uh, did I hear this right? Josh was mentioning that uh, Grandpa also had some UFO stuff as well. Really, so this seems to be kind of like a family, uh, a family—not tradition, but a, a family occurrence. Anyways, it, it it's my great grandfather. Your great grandfather. There you yeah. go. It goes back even further. Yes. And it's on my mom's side, not my dad's side. It's on my mom's side, but my dad was always the, This guy was very. Uh, he had he kind of lived larger than life. He was a, a pilot, a rule breaker, your traditional maverick mindsetted person. Right. He wrote a book all about himself that my dad, I believe, only has the only copy that, uh, left in existence. Um, but dad, yes, why don't you tell the story about about him, the pilot, my great grandfather, and what you stumbled across by complete chance? Well, I, I tell you what, his name was Guy Frost Hicks. Uh, he was a colonel, a major, a colonel, a major. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> uh, riding a white horse through the officers club will probably get you demoted for a little while, which, which he did. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of what kind of man this guy was, he was yeah. amazing. I met him two or three times when he was in his late 70s, but uh, he was something else. But anyway, he 
apparently in, um, gosh, when was it, 1940, I have to look up the date again, in the mid-1940s, or no, actually the late 1940s, he was a commander of uh, Godman Air, Army Airfield in Kentucky, which apparently is pretty close to Fort Knox, Kentucky, which is an Army base. Um, as a matter of fact, it was 1947, because that's when the Air Force came into being. But anyway, he he was a commander of that base, and I guess uh, at one point during his tenure there, they a couple of towns and uh, neighboring towns of the base saw a, a very large silver metallic uh, saucer flying across their towns. So they made a decision to scramble some fighters, which they had P-51 Mustangs back there. They're called F-51s now, but uh, and four of them took off. Well, I guess they changed this thing around. Two of them ran out of gas and had to return to the field. Um, another, when peeled off, there, there's a lot of reasons in some of the writings why they, why he went back to the base as well. But the commander of the group was, um, let me get this up here real quick. Um, you may have even heard his name it was Thomas Mantell Jr. Uh, and at this time, Josh's great grandfather was in the control tower watching all this go down. So Captain uh, Mantell was the only guy left flying. He went off. He took off after it. And he was warned several times, look, you're getting too high. Um, you know, you're, you're going to run out of oxygen. Your, your plane is only made to go so high, so forth and so on. But he mentioned that he saw he saw the metallic disc and he was following it. And uh, they lost contact with him right after that. And apparently he crashed. You know, I think he's one of the first UFO, quote UFO related um, airman deaths that the, that's in print anywhere. But wow. and Josh's great grandfather was there and, and saw it. Apparently, uh, he now here's the thing. He didn't write about it in his book. I'm going to show you a copy of this. Can you? I don't know if you can see that or not. Yep. It's kind of a self-published book. It's called The Comings and Goings of Colonel Guy Frost Hicks. From May 1900 till now, which is like 1984. So <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Guys, guy he's absolutely amazing. Anyway, he was a commander of Godman uh, Army Airfield at the time, uh, but he doesn't say anything about that episode in his book. He mentions that he's the commander at that time, but he doesn't mention anything about. And there's a reason for that. I think, generationally speaking, in the military, uh, especially with uh, folks in my dad's generation, even prior to him, with like Colonel Hicks. Um, when they were told not to say something, they didn't say it. Right. You know, they just yeah. didn't. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, today people are a lot more willing to talk about things like that. But I, I would say that even in my career, if my commander came to me and said, by God, don't say anything about this crap, I probably wouldn't. You know? Right, uh, right. Uh, so, you know, I understand why he didn't write it down in a book, but it was good enough for me to know that he was commander of God and he put it in his little book. So, uh, and it's on the internet too. It's on the Wikipedia pages and all that that stuff. So, so how did you accidentally like piece that story together that he, right, was witness to the the UFO? Right. Well, I was actually on my couch in the basement watching. Uh, Amazon has all kinds of UFO shows on it. Man. Oh, you great have, selection. Yeah, great yeah, selection. Yes, and if you have Prime, ninety percent are free. You know, so I, sometimes I just sit there and watch four or five episodes from the, I guess, the UFO Network or whatever it's called, but. Uh, I happened to be watching those episodes. Then the guy came up and said, Godman Airfield just didn't ring any bells with me. But he said, Colonel Guy Hicks. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I listened to it and then I got, I rewound it, you know, taped it with my phone and sent it off to Josh. But they mentioned that he was a commander at the time. So we got a lot of information there as far as putting him in the place where this happened. And it, again, that's one of the, I think it's one of the first 
um, episodes of a military person trying to catch a UFO that was actually crashed. As right. a result of- Which so, is a big deal. It's a big deal. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. They, they said the, the official ruling was that he passed out from asphyxia. He, he ran out of oxygen. His P-51 crashed and he died as a result of the crash. Right. That's the official thing. But I mean, who knows? Nobody saw it. You know what I mean? So it's one of those weird synchronicity things, too, where like my dad's the only one who would have pieced that together because you, you're the only one with the book. Right. So you could place this guy at this date in this area. Right. Right. That's on your mind. You've read the book multiple times. You know yeah. his life. And then you randomly watch a show that names him. And then you bounce that date off the book that you have and you piece together that it is the same person. I mean, what are the odds of that? Like, really? Yeah, that's crazy. Especially if it's like 11 o'clock at night, you're just freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the other thing is, though, and I want to take this away from Josh. I know this is more or less his show, but I I know this is more your show, actually. You have way more stories than I do. Well, I mean, I have a few, I have a, a few that were impactful to me and I'll bring those up. I, I think it's, I think it's important to note that I've never really talked to any, actually I haven't talked to anybody about any of these except close family uh, up until now. And it's, I don't know that there's any reason for it other than I don't like to bring a lot of attention to myself, but. Um, well, thank you. No, we appreciate I'll, it. Yeah. I'll be happy to share them real quick. I'll go them as quickly as I can. I don't know how much time we have, but. Um, Plenty as much as you need. As much as I need. Okay. Let me get some water. Though. Do the micro machine guy voice, you know, when he talks just super fast. Remember that from the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I'm a little excited about it, actually. It's first, like I said, it's the first time I've actually um, talked about it, and it's going to go out to a fairly large audience. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you- so in, in 1971, 1972, summer of 71, I believe, I was in a, a base called Camerasol, Turkey. My dad was in the Air Force. I was 15 years old. Uh, my sister and myself and her boyfriend, my girlfriend, and two of my younger brothers had went to the movies that night on base. Uh, Carousel is uh, in northwestern Turkey. It's a small air base there. Uh, as a matter of fact, it sits on the Sea of Marmara. It's about a two-hour ferry ride to Istanbul from there, just to give you an idea. Of oh, how wow. close. Yeah, yeah. So I was there many times as a kid. I loved, It was a great city. Um, anyway, so we're walking home from the base theater. We almost get completely home, maybe a quarter mile from the house. And something flashes up to my left, which is my uh, west. And I look up, uh, and there's a small mountain range there. Uh, it's it's off base, but there was a light flashing in the sky, and it was dancing around. It was like up, down, left, right. Yeah, I mean, just, and sometimes it would move so fast, it looked like it was a line of light. You know, right. it wasn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it stayed, I, I, I can't remember how long we stayed there looking at this, but all of us saw it, and the crazy thing about that site, well, a couple of crazy things, actually. My youngest brother actually disappeared. He didn't disappear. We couldn't find him. Um, we have no idea what happened to him. He finally showed up at the house. You know, uh, everybody's frantic, wondering where the, where the hell he's at. But he, you know, he finally showed up at the house, and I guess everything was okay after that. And, and again, this is back in 72, so memory's a little shy on that stuff. But I remember the sighting. And the second crazy thing about it is, is it took me to the early 90s just to remember it. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've read other stories about people who've forgotten 
I'll do the quote marks, forgotten, you know, experiences like that. Yeah. And then something jogs their memory later in life and they remember, I mean, something that momentous at 15 years old, you think you would take that with you down the road a little ways and, and not mm-hmm. forget it. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was my first one. That was in Carmel, Turkey back in 71. Um, my second one, and these just get, these get progressively more crazy as they go. I'll just let you know that. Now. Bring but, it on. Bring it on. Yeah. I, I we mean, like I, it. I, we like it. I wrote, a, I wrote a narrative about this and sent it to the kid. I, I'm retired now. So I just write things down and send it to my kids just so they know a little bit about what their old man did and, you know, experienced things like that. So um, the second experience took place. I was, we were, like Josh said, I was stationed at Andrews Air Force Base in Maryland. Uh, we lived in Waldorf. And uh, Josh had joined the Air Force, and I think this was like the summer of 1988, I believe. Oh, no, this is a, this is a second one. I'm sorry. That's another one. It's still on Andrews Air Force Base. That's where I lived at the time. I had just got home from D.C. Uh, my best friend flipped houses and townhouses out there, and I was just one of his laboring guys there, you know. So I, was on, I got home to the base, got out of my car. There was a big thunderstorm coming. I, I used to work for the National Weather Service. So I, I know what big storms look like. It was, you know, coming uh, west to east. And I took a look at it and I said, I better get in the house. It's going to be here in about 50 or 20 minutes. So, but at that time, I noticed something glinting and shining. And as it got closer to me, it was a ball. I mean, it's perfect sphere. And it looked shiny and metal. And the crazy thing about it was it was heading right for me. I mean, it was about, I don't know, 40 feet up, 35, 40 feet in the air. Uh, coming out of the storm towards me, I stood in my front yard and I watched as it went right over my head. And I watched across the airfield of Andrews Air Force, home, home of Air Force One, <laughs> right across the airfield, man. I mean, uh, right across here. Yeah. So the crazy thing about that ball was, though, it was I. I told myself for years it's probably ball lightning, you know, uh, but ball lightning doesn't. It's not metallic. Number one, and number two, it doesn't have seams this had seams in it and it didn't just come across the sky. It actually rolled like a bowling ball. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, I, well, they're all crazy, I guess. I've yeah. just never, never seen anything like that since, but uh, it went right over my head. I'm, I was trying to remember earlier tonight before we talked, whether or not I heard any wind wishing as it went over my head, but I can't remember if I did or not. Um, but it was definitely a metal ball. It had, I've got, I drew a picture over here. I don't know if you can see that or not. But yeah. Yeah, it has seams in it. It was shiny metal. went right over my head, right across the airfield of Andrews Air Force Base. And that was the second one. So the third one was in, let me see if i got this sun separate down here. Uh, Joshua actually joined the Air Force. And he was at, his first base was Anderson, right? Or not, yeah, Anderson and Guam, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he called me one afternoon and I went out on the back deck to talk to him. Uh, and we were talking about different things, and I'm always looking up, and I always tell people, look, if you want to see a UFO or strange, always look up. And, you know, most people look down at their feet or at stuff around them, but if you look up, you'd be amazed what you see sometimes. Right. Um, so I was on the deck, and I'm, of course I'm talking to Josh, and I'm looking up, and I see this cigar-shaped, I have a crap, I mean, it was in the air, it had to be a crap, I guess, metallic cigar shape. It looked like it was about 50,000 feet up, and the only reason I know that is because as a weather person, you, you, you determine cloud heights as a natural part of your job. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I'm pretty good at guessing height, but it looked like. It was and this was like 2005, by the way. 2005. Yeah. Okay. It would have been right around that time. Yeah. 
it was late afternoon where I was at, so it's probably very early the next day where Josh was at. Um, but I, I was looking up and I saw what I think what got my eye initially was the sun was shining up on the bottom of it, so it was outlined beautifully. I mean, it was it would look like a little fuzzy, but it was really bright around the outline at, at the outlying edge. So right about that time, my wife walked out on the deck because she knew I was talking to Josh. And uh, I, I looked up and I said, I don't want to stop looking at this. You need to look up here and see if you can see what I'm seeing. I don't want to stop looking at it. So she looked up and she saw it immediately. I mean, how many times that happened? Usually you point something out and people are like, what? I don't see anything. You know, right. But yeah. looked, I mean, right at it. It was right there. Right at that time, the side of it opened up and a whole bunch of orbs come flying out of it. Maybe 10, 11, 12, helter skelter. Oh, you no know, way. Yeah, matter of fact, let me show you. I'll draw a picture of that, too. You can see. This is my thing I sent my kids. I don't know if you can see that or not. The yeah. The picture is the cigar shape. The bottom picture is with the side open. Just, you, yeah, right, the so. side open, and it's just going crazy. All the orbs yeah, going crazy. Orbs yeah. Come, yeah, come flying out of it. And I looked at Captain, my wife, and I said, are you? And I looked back up, and it was gone the, that fast. So, um Anyway, that was the third one. The fourth one was probably the most impactful, although that was pretty impactful. I told Josh, I was talking to him, Josh, I got to kiss my breath, son. I can't talk to you right now. I'm trying to explain to him on the phone what I'm looking at. Jeez, yeah, I was. Yeah. Thinking, I remember thinking like, of course I'm talking to you on the phone and I can't see it, you know? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Of right. all the times you, my dad's going to see a UFO, it's when I'm on the phone, which is like <laughs> torture. Because yeah. I'm like, really? Like, Just, of course you would yeah. see yeah. this insane thing up in the sky and they landed I've heard reports, in the backyard you should be here <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and i've heard of sightings like that where something opens and little things fly out i've heard of that before so when he said that i was like oh dang like i've actually heard stories like that and then he's you know got to see one in person i was like but this this cool. was close by the air uh, air base though right you said but close about by andrews miles, yeah, we lived in waldorf at the time it's about 15 miles south of the base okay yeah so interesting cool. yeah yeah, but very high. I mean, it was way, way up there. So this thing had to have been huge for it to look so large that high in the sky. It had right. to have been. Um, I just, I, I still blow my mind. When I think about it now, when I was writing this down, it blows my mind. I mean, you, get, you think you're watching this thing outlined by the sun. And the next thing you know, this it opens up on the side. And these things go popping out of there. I'm like, who sees that? Uh, yeah. You know, it was crazy. Very lucky day for me. And It kind of reminds me of like, if not if not like an alien craft that's just shooting out, you know, drones or something. I was, con I, I remember just thinking, I've thought about this a lot, but in, in one of the things I've considered aside from just an alien craft shooting drones at is whether some sort of weather control technology, you know, it, it just, it just logically makes sense to me to put something up there. These yeah. things come out. Right. So that's always one of the things I've considered it could have been. Right. Except it was just sitting there. It wasn't moving. It was just sitting there. You know right. I, mean? I guess the way I think, I always think of, I guess I, I just by, by habit, I think of, okay, if it's alien, what would its motive be? And if it's man-made, what would its motive be? I kind right. of run my thought process through both of those uh, possibilities. Sure. Okay. That's good. What do you it's, think it was, dad? I think it was a UFO. I think it was a UAP, whatever they're called these days. Uh, yeah. It, you know, I didn't know about orbs so much at the time. They weren't that popular back then. Uh, they're a lot more popular. A lot more people see them nowadays. Uh, but I call them orbs just because I know what the, what they are now. But back then, I didn't really 
know what an orb was. I just saw these bright lights coming out of the side of it. So uh, just a crazy, 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 crazy experience. Anyway. Must have been a must have been a rough night. <laughs> it's hard to fall asleep after you see something like that. Yeah, you know what? It really was. Yeah. I, here's the crazy thing. It sounds crazy, but I think about this stuff all the time. I mean, what does that mean for mankind? I mean, I, I don't know what it was. I mean, with all this stuff going on now in the news, and you know, the government finally coming clean on some of this stuff, which is mind-bendingly weird to be anyway. Right. Because. You know, growing up, me growing up, I was born in 56, so the government denied everything. In fact, the news people, when they interviewed these people, did it for a laugh. Um, yeah. You know, it was, everything was, everything was, yeah, these guys are all kooks. The government was like, yeah, well, like on your website, yeah, it's freaking swamp gas. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, I saw it. I know what I saw. I saw it. It was unreal to me. Yeah, and this fourth one is even more so. So, so you can imagine. yeah, tell me about this fourth sighting then that that right. uh, you had. Yeah, this is my last one. I mean, I have a few others, but they're really they're kind of inconclusive. These aren't to me. Uh, but we, my wife and I, when Josh was stationed in uh, Arizona, uh, my wife and I would go down every year in the summer to see them and you know spend some time with them. And part of that spending time with them was we we go to Sedona for two or three nights. Um, he, Josh was stationed in uh, Tucson, uh, Luke, Luke Air Force Base in, uh, near Phoenix. Phoenix. So this one year we went down there. Um, I've got it written down here somewhere. I can't remember. Anyway, we went down there. We went to Sedona. We were having dinner that one night, the first night we were there. And, and Josh and my wife gave me a big su- birthday surprise. My birthday's not till July. This is in June. But uh, And they told me that they had, they had uh, found this UFO hunter guide person uh, and we were going to go out that night to go UFO sky watching. And uh, to me, that just blew me away. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you always hope you're going to see something. I mean, who knows? But anyway, I'm trying to remember her name. Her name is Kim Carlsberg. Um, she's wrote a couple of books. She's a self-described abductee. Uh, apparently, she does tours in and around Sedona quite often. It's part, it's part of what she does. Um, and she usually takes a bunch of people. Somehow or other... Kathy and Josh were able to talk her into just taking us. So it was me and Kathy and Josh and uh, Josh's wife, Angie. And we met her in the middle of town right at dusk. And she, you know, told us what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. Um, she's got the goggles, they're infrared. Uh, you know, we're going to go out here. Is what I want you to do when we do that. She just some basic instructions, basically. So we drove, we followed her out. We go just to the outskirts of Sedona. It looked like next to a neighborhood. Uh, and we got out of the cars, we went out, she handed out the goggles and stuff, and she had a laser pointer, she said, all right, look, if any, I'm going to hold on to the laser pointer. If anybody sees anything significant, ask, tell me, I'll give you the laser pointer. You can point it at it, and then everybody else can look and see where, what you're looking at. Right. So, at, you know, pretty standard. So, as it turns out, she probably didn't need to do that. I mean, uh, I'll tell you what I remember seeing. Josh will probably tell you something a little bit different. One of the things she asked us to do was try to count how many different UFOs we could see. And she did warn us before we left that night. She said, uh, you know, sometimes people don't see anything. You know, I don't want to get your hopes too high. Usually we do, but sometimes we don't. Well, (laughs) I counted 90 of them. Wow. And 90 separate lights crisscrossing the sky over, over Sedona, Arizona. 
And of course, she told us, which Josh and I already knew, don't pay any attention to blinking lights, it's probably airplanes. Anything really low making noise is probably a helicopter. It also has blinking lights. Anything going very, very slow with a solid light is probably a satellite. So don't pay any attention to those. Look for the ones that are moving fairly quickly, not blinking. And that's probably, well, it's a UFO as far as we're concerned. It's unidentified. Um, so we're standing there with these goggles looking up, watching these lights crisscross the sky. And the crazy thing about them, uh, Jason, is that they would it'd be heading north and it'd be heading east in the blink of an eye. It wasn't, it was, we call it turning on a dime, but it'd be going like, just like that. Right. Kind of wide arc turn like an aircraft does, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, and like I said, I counted 90. I think Josh, I talked to Kathy and Josh later. And they, I think they counted like 35 or 40, but even that is it's pretty awesome. A big amount. It. Yeah. Yeah. So, these green, where I had the infrared, the green lights, and here's the, the craziest thing about the night was uh, Miss Carlsberg had her laser pointer, and she would point at some of them, and she'd flip the laser on and off, and the crap would either glow brighter or go dim, huh. as if it was in response to the laser. I'm like, how did you do that? She's like, I'm just, you know, hoping they would acknowledge that we're here, you know, because she wanted them to come down. She was exhorting them the whole time, please come down. Please, please come down. Come down. <laughs> She's very unique. Very unique person. Yeah. <laughs> She's uh, an extreme UFO fan. Is I would she? Say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. like this is her living. This is her life. This is her identity. Right. Well, I was her whole life is. <laughs> huh? I was hoping they were listening to her. Come on. Down. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I'm skeptical. I'm pretty skeptical. Like, you got to really prove something to me if I'm going to believe. Like, I want to believe. Yes, of course I want to believe. But, like, you got to prove it to me. Right. You know what I mean, I'm yeah. not just going to look at one thing. Like, you got to prove it to me. And so, like, I kept asking all these tough questions, and she started getting annoyed by it a little bit. <laughs> She's um, like, you're not paying me extra for this. I'm not answering. <laughs> right. But I really, really love spending time with her. First of all, she's on Ancient Aliens. Right. So I've seen her on there. So it was cool to see, you know, someone from that show in person. It was really cool. And we went out to a Sedona park with like pretty much no background light whatsoever. We were yeah. kind of in the middle of nowhere in this in this park in Sedona. I, I couldn't even take you there again if I tried. I have no idea where we were at. Right. <laughs> like it was pitch black. Yeah, and um, the night vision goggles were like next level. Yeah. I mean, she she talks about people following her and sneak and 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 you know, given like what she knows. Um, and I was like, well, no one's sneaking up on us out here with these night vision goggles. My God, like you could see everything. <laughs> uh, and strangely enough, a van did pull up, like a vehicle pulled up and just kind of watched cops. us. Oh, really? Cops? cops? Oh, yeah. so yeah, I do remember a vehicle pulling up, observing us for a while, and then it left after a while. Well, I was just wondering um, why a bunch of people with goggles are out in the middle of the desert, right? <laughs> I mean, it did look odd. They're going to blow have... something up. I just know it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure we looked very bizarre. Yeah. Um, but she was very, uh, very much into it. She told us a lot about her story, her just how she got into UFOs, how she was abducted. And it is a wild, it was a wild story. I remember like, holy crap. Like if any of this is true, like this is insane. Right. But she... um, I'm trying to think yeah. of like... She named names. I mean, she named real live people that knew what, you know, what she had went through and different things. I guess we could have checked it out. It didn't really matter to me. What I saw to me was unbelievable. I mean, these, 
I mean, all right, take it, take it like this. Just seeing it is amazing enough. But knowing that they're up there and nobody's doing anything about it, right? That's even more blowing, mind blowing, you know? Right. So what I did was I got we got home. Uh, I got online as fast as I could. I started, you know, searching around trying to find out if anybody else experienced anything like this. And it was actually a guy in California who had a website. And he somehow or other he fitted a camera to these goggles, and he had it over. He's I saw them, they're you know doing the left turns, right turns across the sky. Uh, I emailed him, and he never got back to me. But then I can't find his website anymore. So, um, but I was just happy to know someone else besides us actually saw something like that. Right. But, but again, the mind blowing thing. To, I mean, what does that mean for humanity? What does that mean for all of us? I mean, who is it? Who's doing it? Why are they doing it? How come they can do it without being you know, questioned about it, uh, challenged. Yeah, there's so much activity in the sky that just didn't care who saw it. They didn't. Oh. Like, they there's so much. There's so much. It made you just feel like an ant on an anthill. Like, well, well you can't know, do anything about that. Yeah, and the thing is, people <laughs> forget is that um, what took place in Phoenix, Arizona, when that massive craft yes. flew above that city, that's going to happen again, right? No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Well, that one's been spotted multiple times since then, too. So, yeah, it's definitely still maybe not the same size as that one, but the same shape for sure has been with, all around the Southwest. Oh, man, doorbell cameras, cell phones. You, oh, yeah. Your dog has a camera now. I mean, everybody's yeah. got a camera. It's a matter of time before something that major gets captured. And would, uh, But on the flip side, they might be a little more cautious, too, you know, uh, because of what, what exists and when they want to be seen and, and when they don't want to be seen. Because if you see them, they want to be seen, right? Yeah. Or they just don't care Yeah. because they could easily cloak themselves. And, and that's uh, what I'll get to with my experience that night in Sedona was that they could cloak themselves. So I would see like I'd have the night vision goggles on and I'd see a massive light source, you know, not a satellite moving, pretty, zipping through the sky. And I'm like, whoa, like that's like super bright. Take the goggles off. It's invisible. Right. You can't it's, see it with the naked eye. You need infrared. You need some other. Uh, it's not in our visible spectrum of light. Right. You cannot see and these things. These things and just, probably know that too, right? That they whatever they're sure. using that we can't see it because it sure. doesn't. So yeah, their cloaking is next level. Yeah, yeah. the cloaking's next level. And then one of them that was invisible to the naked eye that was like super bright. That's one that I I hit with that that laser pointer. Like these are like really strong laser pointers. Yeah. And I'm hitting it and I'm moving the light around. I like, oh, I wonder if you can, can it tell that I'm doing this? And then it just started exploding light is the best yeah. way I can put it. it yeah. You know, the ball of light just boom, boom, just pull this. It was so bright. It was lighting up like half the sky with oh, these wow. pulses. Again, I pull the goggles down like that can't be invisible. There's no way. Pull the goggles down. It was invisible. Could oh, not wow. see it. Yeah. Uh, and then I saw, I saw some 90 degree turns. Like I thought it was a satellite. It'd be real small. And I'd be like, well, that's not, you know, doing anything too crazy. And then boom, you know, 90 degree turn. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. was weird. And then <laughs> I think the craziest thing I saw, and I think I'm the only one that might've seen this cause it was really high up there. Like it was very, very tiny. I remember but I saw it break in, break into, so one ball of light moving like a satellite really high up in the air, nothing too wild, but it broke into four balls of light. It kind of just two this way and two this way, right. like a cross shape. So that one ball of light turned into four and they just took off in all directions. And I was like, right. Holy crap. I remember yeah. like, did anyone see that? No one unfortunately saw that, but it was very, it was very hard to see anyways. Um, 
And if you want, I can show you Kim Carlsberg's book. I, I have it right here. Let me well, grab it real quick. Too. Yeah, she actually she actually signed him for us. We asked if she'd signed him, and she was like, "I don't really do that because I don't want to see him show up on, you know, on a on eBay or something." Right. And I, I promised her. I told her, "There's no way we're going to sell these things. If you sign them, they're going to be with me for a long, long time." And so she did. So oh, nice. Was, yeah, she yeah, was she was hesitant on signing them. I think. Um, well, first of all, I wasn't quite sure if I believed her or not because she had she had uh, books on hand. Um, she has one that's like this coffee table book of every single alien race ever reported and drawn in detail which oh, wow. is really cool very cool it's like an encyclopedia yeah um and then she had an autobiography and they were they were really expensive like i think you dad you bought mine and yours and i think they were like around 80 bucks each oh, so, wow. something like yeah. that oh okay but then the autobiography i think she was asking for like 150 for that and then uh so Wait, i was like this is a book yeah she wanted 150 for a book I think so. Okay. It was it was something really really expensive. Better come with a grade. That's all I'm saying. It better <laughs> have some sort of prize that you get. Well, that's why book. I wasn't sure if she was like being like truthful at that point because she's like, that's how you know they're actually worth more online, and because I'm here in person, I'm giving you a discount. I was like, that's at a discount. Yeah. She was not lying at that time. I haven't checked since then, and this was like five years ago. Um, but I did look them up when I got home and I, and they, yeah, I don't know who her publisher is, but my God, they're, they're very expensive books. Yeah. Um, so I'm very thankful to have one signed by her and it's such a great book. So well done, Right. but her story, her abduction, uh, like it came to her in her house, like this, this craft just appeared and it seemed to pause time and kind of pull her through the window. And, um, she started getting like re- abducted, like constantly after that, they started to like make a movie on it. She said, yeah. And something happened like with the government, uh, she got like kidnapped, like a van pulled up, kidnapped her, like as she's starting to like produce and make this movie on her abduction story. And they kidnapped her, they interrogate her. She said it was like horrible. Um, they finally released her. She goes to the movie set and it's vacant. Oh, wow. Like she couldn't find any of the actors, like no one would talk to her. Something happened like where they just shut it down. And, um, yeah, that, I, I don't remember all of her story, but I remember that part. And yeah. I remember just thinking like, wow, that is wild. You know? Well, yeah. One other thing she told us about was though they, you know, she carried around a, you know, a hybrid. I mean, she gave birth to, I think at least one, maybe two. Yes. Uh, yep. Hybrids. She did say so, that. Yeah. So I mean, she carried children for them and, and they yeah. would, uh, they basically, she was pregnant. Uh, doctors acknowledged she was pregnant. She got abducted. They took the baby and then she f- did follow up appointments and the, there was no child. And they just assumed that, you know, it was like a miscarriage or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's really, really, uh, really, she's a neat lady, but she's got some strange stories. But hey, I, you know, I've it was one of the coolest nights we've ever, <laughs> one of the coolest nights of all time. So yeah. <laughs> I think her, her being so, you know, unique of a person just added to the experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she's, you know, if it's not truthful, I was highly entertained. I I will say that it was highly entertaining, a great, great uh, night. And she's such a cool person. I hope she's doing well out there. Yeah. You and me both. Yeah. The fact that you guys have seen that in fact is as strange as the sightings are, you could only assume that it would be strange to have even 
any interactions with these entities because everything they do seems to be strange. So when you hear, oh, yeah. her stories are crazy, well, I bet they are. I bet the whole experience is crazy as a whole. Like, how could it be normal? It's not like you're going over for a cup of tea or anything. It's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. got to be surreal, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I can't yeah. explain what it was like. Don't. <laughs> you yeah. can't. There's no point of reference. I mean, it's, it's kind of like trying to explain the, the internet into the dark ages or a cell phone. Yeah. Or cable television or satellites or any of that. So, you know, if it's light years ahead of our technology, there is no, there's nothing you could compare it to. Yeah. No, but what, so your feelings, because both of you have been, um, you know, two di different generations within the military. But, you know, Bill, you were saying that even back in your time uh, when you were serving, like if they told you keep your mouth shut, you kept your mouth shut. Yes. Do you think most people kept their mouth shut to just like on a professional level? Like the people would never even mention to their friends what they witnessed within the service? Or was it that tight-lipped? Well, let's put it like this. When I, when I you know, we were, I told you about the time we were flipping houses in D.C., a couple of the guys working with us, with my friend, were uh, Air Force, they were officers and they were pilots. Uh, they flew many, many missions in Vietnam, for instance. And every now and then we'd be sitting around having a beer after we were done with the day. And, you know, I bring it up. Okay. How many of you guys seen any UFOs? Come on. You know, out with it. Let me know. I'm not going to laugh at you. I'm not going to judge you. I want to, I really want to know. And they wouldn't talk about it. I knew they did. Right. They didn't deny it, but they wouldn't talk about it. So, uh, you know, and these guys are seasoned pilots. I mean, both of these guys were F4 pilots. Um, and I knew they saw things because they wouldn't deny it because I pressed them on that, but they didn't want to talk about it either. So, right. Yeah. So I'd say the culture has changed a lot since back then to now. Back then, there wasn't a whole lot of benefits of being in the military other than I want to serve my country. That's That was the driving decision-making process to when they joined, right? right? And they loved their country and they wanted to fight for their country. And so there had a the the pride level average i would say was much much higher flash forward to today and it's almost geared towards four year enlistments like they don't need a lot of seasoned people right they need young airmen uh willing to do the really tough repetitive work right and so you have a lot more four years and done i get i'll have college paid for i'll have some medical benefits if i do these four years so there's a bunch of benefits to a short stay. You know what I mean? Right. And because of that, my opinion would be the pride level average might not be as high in regards to like oh, that, the culture my dad's describing. That makes sense because you're not a career guy, right? You're not right. going to be making a career out of it. Plus, you know, if the pilots usually find out that, you, you know, they're telling you something and it gets in the wings like you know uh they, they back then it would be grounded you're not allowed to fly anymore right you're going around right. telling people you're seeing stuff up there you're going to go for a psychological assessment you you, mm -hmm. you, you know what you're exactly right yeah, yeah and now exactly. it's a little different now it's a little different because like you're mentioning josh i guess they don't have career guys as long so they don't care you know if they see something they'll talk about it right mm -hmm. yep Plus, you know, the generation is a little bit different because, you know, I don't know how old you are, Josh, but I'm, I'm 40, but I grew up on Spielberg, right? Like I'm an 80s kid, 90s kid. <laughs> and those movies, I mean, they um, changed the world. They changed culture. They changed the way we look at things. I mean, I could mention Close Encounter of the Third Kind, and you guys could already see clips of the movie in your minds. I mean, it's already embedded. Sure. I think that helped a lot with the... Definitely, yeah. with like, with normalizing it a bit because... Yeah. 
you kind of had this reference point now. Like it wasn't just Betty and Barney Hill's story that you heard or read once. It's a, a movie where you can see it and you can talk about it and you have something to compare it to now. Right. Or even make you think about it. Yeah. A lot of people thought that was intentional. It still is. You know? Right. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I spoke to a gentleman not that long ago uh, who was a, a guest on the uh, show, uh, Terry um, Lovegood. And uh, Lovecraft. Oh man, love good. Uh, I forgot his last name. I'm horrible with names. But he was mentioning uh, had he you know he had a similar experience in in the Air Force. Uh, well, actually, he was guarding military um, nuclear uh, bombs and stuff like that. But he had an abduction uh, with one of his military friends when they went camping, and he was mentioning that as well. That after uh, it happened in the summer, and by November, that movie hit the theaters. Close Encounters. And at the end, there's that scene where the you know the little kids with the the headdress you know walk like the yeah. the greys, and he said that freaked him out so much uh, in the previews that he wasn't able to see that movie for ten years after it came out because wow. he had just had his experience, and when he looked out of the tent to see what the lights were outside, and he saw all those little kids just moving around underneath the ship. And he told his friend, what are these little kids doing there? He goes, man, those aren't little kids, man. They just took us. Don't you remember what they did to us? But again, uh, it's just similar to, you know, what people have had to go through. And this, the movie, how much it it changed things. I mean, to the fact where this person had an experience, it couldn't see the movie after it just came out because it reminded him of his own experience. Uh, So they're bringing that to the forefront. And now alien abduction, I mean, since X-Files and stuff like that, everybody's heard about it. Uh, It's linked in with the cattle mutilation. Everything is sort of like it makes sense as a whole, kind of. (laughs) I say makes sense. Ufology doesn't make sense. But it things are starting to, at least the pieces are starting to to show up where we could try to put the puzzles of it together. What are your thoughts on what's going to happen next month with this whole Senate being briefed by it could be next month as well because uh they might ask for an extension but what are your hopes in that like what do you do you hope anything huge will come out of that do you hope the military steps it up or the air force steps it up uh well i'll speak first i i being as skeptical as i am because i was raised with the government denying all this it's hard for me to imagine that they'll come out with anything other than what they've already said uh now because they've come out with actual, well, the videos were leaked apparently, but when they came out with these videos, Jason, I have to say, I was shocked to my core. I just simply could not believe the government would actually say, yeah, they're real. Here's some pictures or here's some video. I mean, that was so out of the ordinary for somebody like me, who my whole life, almost entirely my whole life, had been told by the government they don't exist. Who cares? Nobody right. cares. You know, wasted money looking at them. Just, you know, and then to come out, one of these days, so I was waiting for the hammer to fall back then when the videos came out. I'm like, okay, what's happening? Is someone going to land on the White House lawn here? Right. Trying to scramble because that's what I'll tell you, it's what the military does. They, if they, if they know about something ahead of time, think it's some long range planning, they're very good at that. Other times they're scrambling around in 24 hours trying to make something happen. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, okay, they're landing tomorrow. What are we going to do? You know, um, but I'm hoping against hope that, yeah something comes out of this that just is more mind-blowing than what I've, some of the things I've told you tonight. Um, I Deep down, I kind of doubt it, but I really, really hope it, it does. I hope they come out with some solid, concrete information saying, yeah, you know what? And they've kind of said this already. Yeah, they're up there. 
we don't know what they are, how they do what they do. We don't even know who's doing this. Well, I think that's that's baloney. It's like, because, meh. It's yeah, kind of like a yeah, meh attitude. Yeah, it's like they're exactly. acting like like the regular person off the street now. Like, yeah, that is crazy, bro. I don't know. I don't know what that is, man. Yeah. You right. tell me. Yeah. Like right. you like if you're gonna tell us, don't take that stance. Come on. Yeah. But um, so Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, but like that that Navy pilot who went on Joe Rogan really kind of escalated the situation, right? For the government. It, it appeared that way. Favor, Jeremy Favor, yeah. Like yeah. as soon as he said something, uh, where he wrote, I think it was like the New York Times or something, he broke the story immediately, it was on Joe Rogan. From that point on, I started seeing this all these Pentagon talks and all these videos, like, but yeah. it spawned from that guy. Am I wrong in saying that? Because I mean you're you probably pay attention to this stuff more than I do. So yeah, he did come out. Uh he did come out with the story. I think it was Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon that really got the ball going by releasing uh, the videos um, out to the public. And pretty much Christopher Mellon walked out with the three videos. <laughs> and right. I mean, like he's, he, you know, my hat's off to him. He should get a lot more praise than he has been. And same thing with, uh, for Lou. I mean, those, those guys have been working hard on this, but their main thing was like, even though they had all this, you know, information on UFOs, you try to get it to move forward to the right people. And there's like 17 people that need to approve it first. And they all right. need to review it first and then send you their snap. I know you need to revise this before we approve it. And then it goes yeah. on to the next person. It takes forever. Bureaucracy, yeah. Bureaucracy, exactly. Get a stamp here, go down the street, get another stamp there. Uh, just BS. Yeah, it's called an E-triple-S, and it's the ban of my existence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not familiar with the e triple <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, but I, so, I think I'd love to meet Mr. Elizondo one of these days. And I know I'll never meet Mr. Mellon, but... You're right. They are, they are the drivers behind this. I mean, yeah. especially Mr. Mellon. I mean, he's got all the contacts. As a matter of fact, I read a good article about him this morning online. But uh, they're the drivers here, and hopefully, they can keep pushing and pushing and pushing until something actually happens and we actually know something real. You know? Yeah. So, so the Navy pilot who chose to bro break the story. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he was retired and just chose to do this on his own personal decision. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the video came out first and then he started talking about it. I think I'm not. Positive. But I think he was retired when he decided to talk yeah. about it, essentially. But he was approached and by the guys from because they were working with uh, to the stars and they needed to have somebody go on record and say, yes, I saw this with my own eyes as well. Right. So, yeah, they both came out about the same time to validate the story. So like putting myself in like the shoes of like a government agency, let, let's just think like you have this this these credible sources probably the most credible sources you could ever ever have right this amazing commander who did all this cool stuff in his career he flies planes for a living he's the best source possible and so he's retired they're choosing to talk about it at that point there's really nothing you can do about it but work with it right so yeah. i can't stop him from saying it but how can we use this to work for us? How can we know he's going to do it? And let's start planning ahead on how that story can actually benefit us. Now, if I were to put myself in their shoes, that's that's exactly how I would look at it. And that's why I think there's been little bits and pieces shared. Now, to what end? I don't know. I know that a lot of experts uh, think that 2036, we're going to be at war with China. A lot of war experts believe that that's where we're headed 
And I, to me, just again, thinking strategically, I don't see that as a coincidence. I don't see it as a coincidence that things are escalating to 2036 and these little snippets are coming out now, right? I think there's a connection there, in my opinion, my personal opinion. Um, but what's your thoughts, Jason? <sighs> you know what? I, I, I want to say that all hopes up that they would announce at least something that we haven't heard before. I, I've been right. pretty excited uh, reading this Jacques Vallée book, uh, Trinity, that just came out. And uh, yeah, it's about a, a crash flying saucer that was pre, uh, predates Roswell by two years. Right. And, uh, you know, you keep finding stuff out like that. And you hear about Bob Lazar. He was mentioning about, you know, these, um, you know, one of them was an archaeological dig. The other one might have been a crash retrieval. And then you hear about the crash retrievals that took place here. It's, I, I think we have the, 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 I think we have the source material that these things are made of. Can we right. reproduce them? Can right. we make drones out of them? Can we do what is going on right now? But most importantly is, and pardon my English, but why the fuck would you go fly that around the Navy? Like to <laughs> test it out against your own people? Like if it's the Americans, obviously that's a bonehead move. Somebody got fired that night. But exactly. it, And it's not the Chinese. It's not because otherwise they would boast about it. Yes, it was us. Are you surprised? See what yeah, we not have. Not only that, if, they, if the Chinese had that technology, they'd walk into D.C. and say we're taking over. Done and done. done. I don't know. It could be some sort of arms race that we're not even aware of. And that's just their way of flexing. You know, that's their way at winking like, ha ha, see, that is us. You know, maybe not full throttle announcing it, but it could be some sort of behind the scenes arms race. Um, and that has happened throughout history with what I call flexing, showing, you know, a satellite's coming over. Let's get all of our stuff laid out for them to see. You know, that's right. a, that's part of strategy, the mind game. Right. Posing and, and all that, right? Just to mm -hmm. show how powerful you are. Somebody just mentioned whenever they have those uh, parades in North Korea and stuff like that, half of that stuff isn't working. It's yeah, it's like, it's like theater. It's like a theater act. Yeah, yeah. Is that papier mache? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> yeah, I saw the wind pick up one of their missiles and it just kind of floated off like a kite. Yeah. Kim yeah. Jong-un's face is all red. Yeah, that'd be funny. Um, no, like, that's I mean, just new technology. That's not a kite. I swear. That's just, yeah. we make that light. I think what the main thing is, is that I, I, what I would like to hear them say is, you know what? 75 years, 76 years, um, we don't know. Obviously, some people do know because obviously there's clandestine organizations and know exactly what is going on or what these things are. A lot more than we'll ever know. But those people are going to be tight-lipped. Really what yeah. it is, it's servicemen and women uh, like Joe, um, uh, Jeremy Fravor, uh, you know, that are coming out and saying, Hey, this is what I've experienced, or this is what I encountered. Uh, even if you, like you guys were saying, you, you're people of, repu of reputable, you know, you've got good reputations, sure. uh, you, you served our country, not my country, but your country. Um, and thank you for your service, by the way. I say that anyways, even though I'm Canadian, because you guys fight for freedom, and that is awesome. I've worked with the uh, Canadian military and the Dominican Republic for a humanitarian once, and they were outstanding individuals. I mean, yeah. they, 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 you really do represent your country, especially when you're in a joint operation. Yeah. You know, when there's two Canadians, you know, in the back of our head, like that's Canada, like you represent Canada. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah. you don't really directly think of it that way, but that's kind of the, it's just subliminal, it's, I guess. But man, it's like they the were, Olympics. They were, yeah. 
they were so uh I, we got to see their their style of marching their the way they salute they all the services kind of put on a little drill and ceremony and right. i remember seeing theirs and they, they were just outstanding I, I, they were doctors this was a whole medical uh to help to help the dominican republic um with medicine and dental and all sorts of stuff and Man, they the Canadian military. They were phenomenal. They were they were stand up guys for sure. We locked the. This is an this is an aside here. Uh, Josh has an uncle and an aunt, my brother and sister, uh, who have dual citizenship in Canada and the United States. They were born in Canada. Nice. I'd be interested if you ever heard of this place. My dad was stationed at a small radar site uh, called Beaver Lodge. It's in Alberta, and it's called Beaver Beaver Lodge out in Alberta. It's a radio. It was a radar site point to point and dad was stationed there for like three years and my brother and sister were born there that's why they have dual citizenship but uh uh i think it was on top of a mountain because they had point to point radar back then they had right. to be to the other one you know in order to communicate <laughs> it's like the and lord of like the rings when, of yeah lord yeah. of the rings when they light the beacons at the end of the movie yes, yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly it yeah <laughs> No, I mean, if uh, the Senate comes out and says, look, we don't know what these things are, um, but we know that it's not us. And we know that it's not Russia and not China because of the frequency at which we see these things. I mean, there's no way that a country could be that active over the United States of America. And nobody knows about it. That's impossible. But the main thing is, or the main cause of concern is the nuclear power and armaments that we have there they seem to be constantly at sites or ships that have nuclear power i mean they're constantly involved they're always there yeah and that is the point it's like what is it you know we messed up big time dropping those two bombs on you know uh japan that was you know a big mistake nobody's dropped one since we tested them but we haven't killed anybody since Right. But those bombs pale in comparison to the, the planet killers that we have now. Oh, yeah. And that is the main concern. It seems to be like they're always there. They're shutting it down. They're not doing anything to us, but they're sort of telling us, like, this is a no-no. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. It kind of makes you wonder if, like, they did send some huge arsenal. Like, would they intervene at that point and just be like, okay, Well, you know pause, what I heard? Time we never, out. <laughs> yeah. I heard we never successfully uh, sent a nuke in space. The minute we launch it, the minute it arrives, it never makes it. Uh, mm. And I don't know if there's any truth to that, but that's mm. what I heard. So I need to look into it. But uh, yeah, well, you, you, you remember Star Wars? You remember Reagan and Star Wars? Uh, yes. You know, soon after he, you know, wasn't president anymore, you didn't hear a lot about that anymore. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think they're still going on. I mean, we've seen a clip from the space shuttle. It's very famous. Everybody's seen it. I think where. You see this blip of light coming into the Earth's atmosphere. You see a flash, and then the light takes off, and yeah. then you see something going after it. You know, yeah. yeah. So that, there's a lot going on we have no clue about, and uh, uh, I think whatever the Senate does, with you know, whatever this report comes out, it'll barely be scratching the surface. And but like you said, hopefully it'll have some new information in it. I mean, I would hope they come out and say they've already said, look, yeah, they're up there. We don't know who it is or what they're doing or how they do it. And that's scary enough. Uh, yeah. They don't really have to say anything else. I mean, I mean, I, I have to tell you, when I saw what I saw in Arizona in the skies that night, I was shocked. I mean, I was completely and utterly shocked. And then I felt insignificant after that. Um, and then I felt angry because who the hell's doing anything about this? Why right. are they allowed to fly around up there? Well, of course, I don't know who they are. They could be Americans or Canadians or it, it could be anybody. <laughs> Canadians. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't have that yeah. budget. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, just, you know, I, 
I was really angry after a while because I could not figure out how they could keep doing this with impunity yeah. and uh, and not have any worry whatsoever and, and even respond to the laser. That was even more shocking. Josh did it. Uh, the young lady did it. And some of them would dim, some of them would brighten I'm, as an obvious response. And I'm like, they know we're down here watching them and they could care less. I mean, they know NORAD has radars on them 24 seven and they can care less. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Other, other than the fact that they're either ours or we have absolutely no defense against them and there's nothing we can do. And we're sure. So I'm not going to admit it. Yeah. And if, if that was the case, I mean, if we're going to ask one question from the people that know if, you know, is it a threat or is it not a threat? Right. And the way I see it is that if it was going to be a threat, we would have had that already. Um, if we're going to be, if you know, hostile takeover, whatever human um, innovations and intentions that we have, doesn't mean that they are going to operate on the same terms. Like they might be way much more mature, if you will, than we will ever be. Sure. Because we're we're warmongering creatures. I mean, we come from the ape family. The apes, that's what they do. They yeah. fight each other. They eat each yeah. other, for crying out loud. We're yeah. from that family. And as long as we accept the fact that we're from the animal kingdom, I think looking at <laughs> ufology and the fact of, you know, maybe we do have visitors makes it a lot more possible. You know, uh, makes it a lot. You could swallow that pill a lot more. Because you realize that we're not the end-all, be-all. You know, there's animals on this planet that are so freaking intelligent. It makes us feel stupid how smart some of these... Some of these animals are smarter than people. Like, you know, some people, I see them driving on an everyday basis. You just wonder, how did you survive this long? Just being that incredibly stupid. Yeah, people wearing their masks in their car by themselves. That's very alarming. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I laugh every time I see that. Yeah, Like, they were probably about to come down and announce themselves, and then they saw how we handled COVID, and they're like, not today. I've seen a woman on a trail with a mask. Like, she's on a trail in the middle of the woods, and she's wearing a mask. Like... (laughs) We failed the test. We failed the we, UFO test. There, we, that just added a hundred years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. What's that, Bill? I said maybe so. I, my thing would be though that I thought at one time, like I said, we don't know who they are, what they're doing, how they're doing it, why they're doing any of that, unless they're ours. And I had always discounted that my whole life until I read this quote, and it's from the now deceased Ben Rich, who's the head of uh, Lockheed Skunk Works. Right. And his quote was, we now know how to travel to the stars. There's an error in the equations. We figured it out. And we know now how to travel to the stars. And it will take a lifetime to do it. It's time to end all the secrecy, et cetera, et cetera. At the end of it, he goes, um, we now have the technology to take E.T. home. And he said that in 1993. Huh. That's a long time ago. In yeah. time. So it's entirely possible that it is us. Um, after, after reading like this and this guy would know you would think um but it's entirely possible it is us so what i can't figure out is why are we still fighting war if if yeah if we have this capability the united states and it's only us and maybe others i don't know and only us then why have we not stepped up and said all right everybody stop fighting here's what's going to happen if you don't you know I or somebody like you or josh would come out and say hey i flew some of those things Right, like somebody yeah. would come out of the woodworks and say, or even if it was a drone, I was the guy who was operating those things. Right, but right. you don't have that. Yeah, I think it's both. That, that's what makes me think it's both. It's people 
and it's alien. Otherwise, we would have an answer at this point. So I think it's both. And the fact that it's both makes it really hard to come out and talk about because they have it's more than one problem. It's more than just scaring the crap right. out of everyone that an alien exists. Now you got to say, well, I could have, you know, ended world hunger and chose not to. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's a whole nother problem to the equation and coming out with it already. But the reason I think it might be uh, people is because, I mean, look at the evolution of the UFO sightings. Like they used to have landing gear. Like if you think, if you look at like a, of the really old sightings, like the guy in New Mexico that my stepmom actually knew, I can't remember his name right now. Maybe my dad remembers. Related, yeah. Yeah, there's a, a very famous uh, UFO sighting in New Mexico where a police officer. Right. Like the six, that's it. Yeah. Um, well, the egg-shaped yeah, crafter. The, yeah, I think yeah. I think that one had landing gear and fire. It did. He was a police right? Yeah. yeah. So like it needed the landing gear and it needed the propulsion. But then once it got to a certain height, it was able to act just like a UFO. We, and we now know flash forward to today it, and it, and it's kind of, it's, uh, we've seen the evolution. Yeah. Right. We're evolving, but we're seeing the Them. UFO technology evolve too. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the most human thing ever to me. Like that's what we do. We we're really good at coming up with a concept, working on it and working on it and working on it incessantly until you know, we get this perfect end product. That's, that's a very human thing to do. And so when I, when I paid attention to the UFOs changing, you know, throughout the years, it, it really reminded me of like, of man, to be honest. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, there's so many of them, so many over the years, they've described so many different machines. I mean, how many civilizations can be out there coming here with all these different machines, unless they all belong to one person, like it's like Ford, yeah, uh, Chrysler, you know, uh, everybody has their own model, and it just depends on which one you buy as to which one you fly into Earth's atmosphere at any given time. Right. But, you know, it's like uh, if you the want, one if that's crash are all Fords. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, some of the really old UFO drawings too, um, like of pilots seeing them, like when they when they first started coming out, like the very first started coming out. Even the curvature of like what they saw on the on the the drawings that they came up with had like a very like 50s, 60s curvature to it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. even the even what they drew looks like the the types of vehicles that existed back then. They didn't look like a Tesla, you know, they right. didn't look the so something's going on with there's something to that. I've never seen it on television, I've never read about it, but I would love to hear an expert talk about like the UFO transition throughout the years and like how that's changed. You know, I would love to to read about that. Now everybody's seeing lights and orbs. Uh, Black triangles are, are the big thing. I, I'm investigating orbs here in uh, BC as well that just drop out of the sky and come in and scan people. Um, so I've had several people now uh, on this case, and it's pretty crazy because these things come like in the middle of your living room, and this ball of light will just come down and just scan you while you're in your living room. This one lady was driving home after giving birth uh, at a Vancouver hospital. To uh, She was a doula, so she helped with this birth. And one o'clock in the morning, and this orb drops down in front of her car. She's doing 80 kilometers, and it's following her perfectly backwards. Does a quick scan of her, and then goes, goes back up. Wow. So it's not just these large crafts. We're talking about, you know, it could be tennis ball size crafts. Like this sure. this phenomenon is is way past just a certain size. And size seems to be unimportant to these things. Like you're mentioning you have an orb and all of a sudden it separates into five. Like right. the only thing that I know that does that is cells that can reproduce. And even that, they're reproducing one by one, not four right. at a time, right? So right. 
that's the part of the phenomenon that I think we're going to have a hard time getting answers to exactly, you know, why do they fly like that or why do they behave like that? But understanding at least, hey, they're not from Earth. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's just that's all we need is just one guy to go, hands down, they're not from Earth. We don't know what they are. We don't know where they're from. We're looking into this. See you later. That's it. That's yeah, all I they need. They haven't heard us yet, so we're okay. Exactly, least, yeah. exactly. Now, there's been some cases where pilots don't come back, like you mentioned. Yeah. Some yeah, pe- yeah. some cases where people have gotten hurt, but I don't think it's. Yeah. I don't think overall it's for the bad of of the population. And if it was at this point, I think the cat would already be out of the bag. I agree. You're right. Right. Yes. So yeah. yeah. No, I'd like to thank you both for uh, spending your time here uh, with me today and talking about this. This is very interesting to me. And the fact is that uh, your family is, you know, really into UFOs as well is is really unique. Good job, Dad, on on getting the kids on that as well. I hope my daughter takes after after me a bit on the on the ufology. Just tell her to keep looking up. Keep looking up. You know what? My wife is now a full on. I don't want to say believer, but she's a full on uh, avid fan of night watching. So she, every night she's out there just looking at the stars for Very at least good. an hour, right? So uh, I think it's good. I'm, I'm motivating at least my spouse to do something. <laughs> just <laughs> oh, took a podcast good. to do it. Awesome. Okay. And listen, if anyone listened this long, could I could I mention my uh Absolutely. My Absolutely. Okay. I probably should have did it at the beginning, but because if anyone's listening to this long, I'll give you a hug. Um because you know, Jason, you're a podcaster just like me. You want them to listen to the end. So oh, anyone that listens the to end. the end, yeah. I give you a high five, whoever you are. And I do want to tell you that um the reason I have a little setup here myself and I have a mic as well is because I run the veteran focused podcast called Hero Front. One word. It's also on YouTube. And even if you're not a veteran, it we talk about resiliency. We talk about suicide prevention. There's lots of very inspirational stories. And so uh, I highly recommend if you liked anything I talked about today or, or just or just my style of speaking, or if any of those stories uh, interest you, please check out Hero Front. And where can, Thanks, they, and where can they find this, Josh? Like the, the Hero Front, is it on, on all platforms? Yeah, it's on all the major ones. Um, it's not on the real super niche ones or anything, but like it's on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio. Uh, and then again, for those who just like to watch it, because there's a lot of people I've come to learn that like to watch podcasts, I also upload the entire video and audio onto YouTube um, under Hero Front as well. Beautiful. And Bill, are you going to write a book? Because it, like, uh, it looks like you might have the skills there. That was a good. That's a good question. I've actually started writing several books. Uh, I get too bored as I get into it. Now, here's what's exciting to me, though. You know, this is. I probably have about fifty some odd pages of different things in my life, like I mentioned earlier, that I'm gonna, you know, give my kids one of these days, uh, uh, so they'll know what you know, what kind of guy the old man was when they were little, because they don't, you know, all they remember is you know me being a big guy who told them what to do half the right, time. So, right. Right. Uh, but, you know, a lot of things that happened to me in my life, and I, I wish my mom and dad had left me something to tell me a little bit more of what they went through. Uh, so, yeah, I probably will write a book, but I, it'll probably be self-published to the family. <laughs> no, well, so, it, looks like you, it looks like you got the researcher genes in you, because, I mean, uh, just even looking behind you, I could tell that your office oh. is very neat and that uh, you had all your paperwork and stuff like that on the desk. Yeah. So you, you definitely got that investigative uh style to you so kudos on that and I, I i do hope you write a book if you do let me know i will let you know i love analysis so it's good yes all right so bill white and josh white thank you so much for coming on the podcast today thank pleasure. you jason man we had a to, to do this with my dad 
Very special. Very special. So thank you for allowing us to do this, man. We appreciate you.